And so, as we continue on with our theme this year on purpose, pressing into what matters most, we are pressing in to relationships in this series because they're one of the things that matter most. And we want to see you thriving in your relationships, okay? The scripture we're going to be reflecting on is Matthew 22, 36-40. In this, uh, somebody comes and asks Jesus... Which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus responded by saying, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Here's the big idea I want you to take hold of this morning. Learning to fight for your highest good enlarges your capacity to fight for the highest good of others. Okay? So, to talk about this, let's start with we don't naturally fight for our highest good. In our short passage, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to sum up the Christian life for you. Love God and love others. And he says that the way that we are to love other people is in the same way we love ourselves. Now here lies the problem. <laughs> if, we, if we were to love other people, our neighbors, in the same way that we love ourselves, for many of us, we wouldn't be loving them well. Because we really struggle to love ourselves well. I am not talking about pop psychology that's all about treat yourself and like the <laughs> self-indulgence, you know, care of yourself, which isn't really care of yourself uh, at the expense of others. So don't, this is not what this is about. I'm talking about fighting for your highest good. That's what Jesus wants you to do for yourself because it's going to give you the capacity to love other people. If you can't love your, yourself well, it's going to be really hard to love other people well. Okay? All right. Now, I want you to know that the most important relationship you have outside of your relationship to God is your relationship to yourself. You talk to yourself more than anybody else. You have greater influence on yourself more than any other person other than God. Right? And so how you relate to yourself is huge. And there are two ways to destroy yourself to not fight for your highest good. One way is being a protector to yourself. Another way is being a dominator to yourself. So let me explain. And let me first tell you how, why do you lean towards either being a protector to yourself or a dominator to yourself? Let me explain. Well, our behavior is really driven by three things predominantly. Your nature, so that is your wiring, that is your personality, your strengths, weaknesses, it's all the stuff that God put into you at birth. Your nurture, so we're talking about the oughts and shoulds you pick up in life from the culture, from authority figures in your life, from your schooling, from your parents, okay? And then your choices. Somebody has said, we make our choices and then our choices make us. These three, three things drive your behavior. And what the Bible tells us is that all three of these things have been greatly impacted by sin. Okay? But this is where our behaviors come from. So, 
depending on your nature, nurture, and choices, that will determine which way you lean in your relation to yourself, whether it's protector or dominator. Let's first look at what it means to be a protector to yourself. So if you're relating to yourself as a protector, you're unwilling to look at your flaws. You make excuses for poor behavior. You blame shift. You struggle with self-discipline and accountability. You avoid difficulty and discomfort like COVID. Right? That's what it means to be a protector to yourself. We see examples of people being protectors to themselves in the scriptures. Let me give you one example. Genesis 3, right? Classic example. Adam and Eve, they decide to be their own masters. They decide to uh, disobey God. To call They want to call the shots in their life. And as a result, they eat from the forbidden tree. And they sin in doing that. And once they sin, what does Adam do? He engages in that protector mechanism of blame shifting. He blames God for giving him Eve. And then he blames Eve for, you know, influencing him to eat. And then what does Eve do? Eve blames the serpent for her sin. This is classic protector, blame shifting um, living. Let's look at another example. Jesus had something to say about individuals who are unwilling to look at the, their own flaws, which is a protector sort of thing. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite! First remove the plank from your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove that little speck from your brother's eye. Look, one way we can avoid dealing with the broccoli in our teeth is by focusing on the broccoli in everybody else's teeth. Speck removal provides the protector a welcome distraction that keeps them from doing the hard, uncomfortable work of confronting their own sin. Okay, let me give you another example. Jesus. Jesus is, is the king. And he was tempted to be a protector to himself. When he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being directly tempted by Satan, he, Satan was tempting Jesus with a crown without the cross. He was tempting Jesus to take a shortcut to glory. He was tempting Jesus to hit the easy button. To relieve your suffering, Jesus, make these stones into bread. Take the easy way out. Protect yourself from what's difficult and uncomfortable. Of course, praise God, we wouldn't be here if Jesus would have fallen into that temptation. He resisted the temptation to be a protector to himself. How about you? Do you have a tendency to relate to yourself as a protector? When someone confronts you with a legitimate error, on your part, is your tendency to justify your actions, blame shift, avoid conflicts? Is your diet always starting tomorrow? Is your Bible reading plan always starting tomorrow? Is that counseling appointment you know you should schedule always starting tomorrow? Is the hard thing God is calling you to do, you're, you're going to get to that always tomorrow? 
If so, you're relating to yourself as a protector. All right, let's look at dominator. What does it look like to relate to yourself as a dominator? And again, based on your nature, nurture, and choices, you may lean this way. So, you are habitually self-critical. You routinely make self-deprecating statements to yourself. You routinely make self-deprecating statements about yourself to others. You always think you can do better. You lack self-compassion. Um, let me give you a real-life example of a pastor I was reading about who was a dominator to himself. And so he was always examining obsessively how he was doing in his pastoral performance. He was always trying to discern its effectiveness and determine ways that he could improve it. And so, and these are his own words, he would routinely ask these sort of questions. If I said that differently, would more people have been helped? Would I have sounded less stupid? Would I have not gotten that email that lands a line or two of critique? Why can't I stop thinking about this? Will, 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 will I do it the same way next time? Constantly, constantly self-critical, constantly questioning himself. He was being a dominator to himself. Do you know that Satan's, one of his names is accuser? It's one of the names the Bible gives to Satan. We, we see this in Job 1, 9 through 11 and Revelation 12, 10. What Satan does is he calls into question before the throne of God in heaven the faithfulness of Christians. He's accusing them before the throne. Satan also likes to whisper these accusations into your own mind and heart. He loves to do this. And in fact, if you have a tendency to dominate yourself, he will prey on this weakness. Oh my goodness, he will attack you in this realm. Some of the things Satan will say is to you, it's all your fault. You're stupid. You're unlovely. You'll make a fool of yourself. You'll never change. You're fat. You're ugly. Why even try? You're a horrible mother. You're a horrible spouse. If you don't measure up, your spouse is going to leave you. See? You can't trust God. Are you sure that you're even saved? Are you sure that you're really a child of God? Are you sure God's real? This is what Satan does. He is the accuser, and he will, he will start with accusations that will eventually work down to your very core, your very identity. This is what Satan does. Now, do you relate to yourself as a dominator? Do you struggle to extend compassion to yourself when you mess up? Are you unable to treat yourself with the same kindness that you treat one of your good friends? How do you do with that? Look, not only does Satan and his agents shoot fiery accusations at us, but Satan has so influenced our American culture that if you're a dominator, our culture will really cause that tendency in you to flare up and it'll set fire. It'll, it'll, it'll be, yeah. So let me just explain really briefly. This is what our American culture teaches us. And this revelation came to me through a psychologist that I was listening to 
um, who was critiquing the self-esteem movement. And this is what she said, and I, I think this is so, so true based on my work with people. Our American culture says that in order for you to have a high self-esteem, you gotta be above average. You gotta be special, you gotta be above average. And so what our culture has created is a bunch of people that are in our country constantly comparing themselves to other people to see if they're above average. And so here's the logical inconsistency with this. We can't all be above average. <laughs> Mathematically, it just does not work. Guess what? You're going to be average at a lot of stuff. Maybe everything. That's how the law of averages work. And so, if you're constantly looking at other people to, to see if you're above average with your, the, the money you have, how you appear, um, your career achievements, man, this is a horrible way to live. There's going to be a lot of people struggling with self-esteem. In particular, you know where women struggle the most? Their appearance. And... So if I look good compared, if I'm above average in looks, then I'm all right. I feel good about myself. And what's hard in our American culture is that the standard for beauty is so high for women, it is crazy. It is so unrealistic. In third grade, that is when it really begins for young girls to start thinking they're fat, they're ugly. Third grade. We are killing, we are killing the souls of our women and our young girls. All right, let's go to the destruction that is caused by the protector tendency and the dominator tendency. So if you relate to yourself as a protector, let me tell you the negative reality that's going to be created in your life. So... You, there will be no spiritual growth because you are never going to be willing to look at your flaws and shortcomings and problems, and we don't grow that way. Spiritual growth is hard, it's difficult, and if you're avoiding uh, the hard and difficult, you're not going to grow. It's going to cause all kinds of relational damage because if you have these things that are wrong with you and you're unwilling to look at them, there's going to be damage in your relationships. There's going to be things that you're doing that are hurting your relationships. You're going to misrepresent Christ. The last thing that is needed here in our country are more Christians who claim Christ and yet are unwilling to look at their flaws and shortcomings. Meanwhile, are trying to point out the speck in everybody else's eyes. That's a problem. Part of why the reputation of Christians in our country has plummeted over the last 10 years. And do you think you're going to love well if you're, you're relating to yourself as a protector? No, because what you're going to be doing is you're, you're just going to be serving people in an attempt to make you, you feel good about your, yourself. No, in an attempt. No, stop. Let me, let me replay that. If you're a protector to yourself... Look, you're not going to be loving people well because loving people well requires sacrifice. I'm not going to, if I'm protecting myself, I'm avoiding discomfort and difficulty. 
it takes that to love. To fight for another person's highest good, you gotta be willing to be uncomfortable. You gotta be willing to sacrifice. All right, what's the negative reality that you will create in your life if you are a dominator to yourself? You will have a low level constantly of guilt and anxiety. You'll be walking around with it. You just feel that way. You will be full of insecurity. And when we're insecure, we do a lot of things that are not helpful to us and to other people when we're insecure. You're going to lack joy. You will use people because the reason you'll see people is to try and make yourself feel better about yourself. You will misrepresent Christ too because another thing that our country is not in need of are people who are claiming Christ but yet walking around anxious, insecure, without joy, and using people to try and build themselves up. This misrepresents the gospel. This is not how you fight for the highest good of somebody else. It's not how you love them. Okay. Just so you know, you may vacillate between the two. So this is a pretty typical thing, right? Um, you treat yourself as a protector. Uh, you know, it's okay to eat that piece of cake. You had a hard day at work, and it doesn't matter that, you know, you're really destroying your health. Um, you, you just deserve it. It was a stressful day. And then, so you eat the piece of cake, and then the dominator kicks in, right? Oh, you're horrible. You'll never lose weight. Look at you again. You said you were going to do that. And so it's, and it works vice versa too. How do we get out of this relentless cycle of being a protector to ourselves and a dominator to ourselves? How do we truly fight for our highest good so that we have the capacity and the ability to fight for the highest good of other people? Because if you can't love yourself very well, how are you going to fight for the highest good of other people? All right. Repentance and belief. So we come to Jesus and we experience salvation through repentance and belief. Um, but all of Christian life, the way we grow in the Christian life is through also repentance and belief. So, in regards to what we're talking about here, if you have the tendency to relate to yourself most of the time as a protector, you are calling it and you are owning it. Right? You are admitting that, look, this, I'm doing this. I am not fighting for my highest good because I am being a protector to myself. This is not how God has called me to love myself. And then the turn part is, look, I know that that way of relating to myself as a protector is from the kingdom of darkness. And I am turning to Jesus and his gospel and to his grace to live differently. So I'm making the turn. I'm committing to, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm not living with that way of thinking. I'm not living with that life's direction. I'm coming here to Christ and his gospel. And then the belief part, there's two components, trust and then obey. Trust. So you're saying, you're, you're, you're saying to Jesus, look, I trust you that I am not to be a liberator or a dominator to, to myself, or not to be a protector or a dominator to myself. I'm trusting, love myself in the ways that you would want me to love myself. It's the only way I'm going to be able to love others well. And so 
I believe that Jesus, you died for me in all the ways that I do not relate to myself well. I am forgiven. I know, Jesus, that I am a new creation in you because of what you did for me. And so this old way of living is, has, been, it has been crucified and buried. And you have given me the Holy Spirit so that I can actually live in ways that I fight for my highest good. Jesus, I'm trusting you. Empower me to do it by your grace. And then you obey. Belief isn't, you know, fully grown until there's obedience. And so you obey. So that might look like for you the next time those dominator thoughts fire into your head. They will this week. It is, I realize they're there, but I'm not obeying those thoughts. I'm going to let them pass through. And I'm going to redirect myself to living in ways that actually line up with who Jesus says I am as his beloved child. If the protector thoughts come into you this week, you know, don't do that. It'll mess up, you know. Uh, don't do that. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be uncomfortable. You'll get to it tomorrow. You've got to notice those thoughts. Let them pass through, but you do not need to obey those thoughts. It's like, nope, that's not fighting for my highest good. And so I'm going to live and obey Jesus here by not engaging with those thoughts and by doing the things he has called me to do, even if they're really hard and difficult. All right. This brings us full circle back to our big idea. And I just really want to make the point that both being a protector to yourself and being a dominator to yourself, they're both selfish. They cause you to be self-absorbed, constantly thinking about you. But when we re relate to ourselves by really fighting for our highest good, right? Not dominating ourselves and just like killing ourselves every time we make a mistake and just beating ourselves up constantly. And when we avoid that and when we avoid like protecting ourselves from the hard things, the difficult things, looking at our flaws, when, we're, when we stop all that and we're able uh, to be a liberator to ourselves, we are going to have the greatest capacity to fight for the highest good of other people. I, and I know I need to wrap up. Um, so just, just an example, I was talking with the lady, right? Just a quick illustration here. I was talking with the lady. By the way, Christian women, I am finding um, that there's such a tendency for Christian women to relate to themselves as dominators. It is crazy and it's horrible. I don't say that to be, you know, make you feel guilty. I'm just saying it's really, there's a lot of negative effects there, right? Anyways, I was talking with the women, with the woman, and she uh, realized that she is horrible at, at self-care. That she's addicted to meeting the needs of others to the point that she never cares for herself. I asked this lady, I said, where will you be in two years if nothing changes? I will be in a wheelchair. And that's legit. She has enough health issues that if she does not take time to fight for her highest good, she's not going to be able to fight for anybody's highest good because she's going to be such a wreck health-wise that she's destroying herself. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can gather together as a family. 
and refocus our minds on truth, refocus our minds on you and your grace, refocus our minds on what it means to live with you in your kingdom. There's nothing in our world that helps us, <laughs> that wants to help us to grow spiritually. And so we need each other here. And that's why this meeting is so important because it reorients us back to the truth so that we can be refocused for another week so that we can hear about your great love for us and start our week from a position of strength in the knowledge of you and your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray.